0: Folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast family. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Saturday night, as I get the pleasure, the absolute joy of talking to you about this fantastic Denver Nuggets victory over the hated uh, villain Los Angeles Lakers. Final score of this one: one thirty three to ninety six. Whoa, that is a freaking blowout! Uh, The margin in this one got upwards of 40 at various points. The bench absolutely took over in the second half. Uh, They were dominant. They were spectacular. Very, very, very good. And this was just a great all-around win. You had seven nuggets in double figures. Faku with nine points. Zeke with eight points. That was Denver's rotation. And funny thing is, uh, Denver only had 10 available bodies tonight. They had um, James Ennis as the 10th guy. They, they went with a nine-man rotation until James Ennis came into the game and played the final seven minutes, uh, but they are down Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, B.J. Dozier, Flacco Chanchar, Jamichael Green. Uh, Austin Rivers was also inactive due to a non-COVID-related illness. I didn't actually have him on my rotation chart. I'm sorry about that. Uh, Bol Bol is in transit. I have no idea what's going on with him. DeMarcus Cousins, still don't really know what's going on with him. Uh, just a lot of guys who are out. And that's that's basically it. That's that's all Denver has available to them uh, because the 10-day contracts for uh, like Ray John Tucker and Carly Jones, those guys expired already. So Denver was really short-handed tonight uh, when Austin Rivers went down. Oh, and they also sent Marcus Howard to the G League. So that's why he didn't show up. Um, so they... They had their guys, they had their team, and they knew that shorthanded. They had to play well. The group that was there was there. They didn't have anybody else who was going to come in and save the day. And boy, did Denver not need the day saved. Uh, They came out and were fantastic offensively, struggled a little bit defensively in the first half, thought that the Lakers did a nice job of attacking the paint, uh, really pressuring Nikola Jokic, really getting downhill against Denver's guards and forwards, uh, particularly Russell Westbrook and LeBron James did a good job. And Dwight Howard also did a good job on the glass. Although he only had three rebounds. They're all, they all three of them were offensive. So that's, that's kind of funny. But, uh, Denver was fantastic overall. Start with the starters in the first segment. Second segment, we will devote to the bench. Um, but the starters tonight were, were great. They they weren't as good as the bench was, uh, at least proportionally. But you got to start with Nicole Jokic, who uh, Harrison Wind pulled this stat uh, over at DNVR. By the way, uh, I was on the DNVR postgame. I, if you guys have watched or listened to that show, then you'll know that I was on for the uh, third segment that they do uh, for the media involvement. I know that uh, Harrison Wind, I think he, uh, he got caught up with doing a, a different thing that uh he just wasn't at the game tonight so i filled in for him uh make sure to go check out their show they they do a fantastic job as well um but yeah like nikola jokic and harrison had pulled the stat uh fourth fastest triple double in nba history of 20 minutes and 18 seconds that's how long it took for him to i think he uh dished out his final 10th assist at that point uh hilarious that the third fastest triple double was 20 minutes and 17 seconds done by Russell Westbrook in 2014. And then you had Nikola Jokic as getting the fastest triple-double of all time uh, back in, what was it, 2018, 2017, something? I think it was 2018. But Jokic is just in his bag tonight. He was fantastic. Uh, 17 points, 12 rebounds, 13 assists, shot 7 of 12 from the field, There were some questions about how he would handle this matchup, about whether the Lakers would go small, put LeBron at the five, force Jokic to kind of deal with that, or if they would play a Dwight Howard or a DeAndre Jordan or somebody like that um, and kind of match size for size and kind of make Denver's job easier. I thought that by playing Dwight Howard, I thought that Denver was kind of given a pass. That despite the fact that Dwight played pretty well, especially in the first quarter, he tired out in the second quarter, third quarter, wasn't making as much of an impact there. And Jokic just continued to go to work, was fantastic throughout this entire time. Um, He was dishing to the open man. Whenever they didn't have Dwight Howard on him, they would double and he would find the open guy as, as easily as if he was doing this in his sleep. It was fantastic. And This is what an MVP candidate looks like, folks. It's not LeBron, who was good tonight, despite the fact that uh, not a lot of other players on the team could really help him. Uh, But Jokic was fantastic. He was better than LeBron by a long shot tonight. And the game came so easy for him. The Nuggets didn't need to do that much in order to get him open. They were just running their normal motion offense. And Jokic was getting baskets off ball just as often as he was getting them in the post or off the dribble or things like that. But he did have some fun moments tonight. Um, There was a play where he drove from the right wing against Dwight Howard into the paint and kind of did the Hakeem Olajuwon dream shake, uh, getting Dwight off off his uh, feet just a little bit, just enough to then convert an easy layup. Uh, and then there was a moment in the third quarter where the Lakers had cut the deficit, uh, ninety-one to seventy-five, uh, kind of in the the four-minute mark at the, in the third quarter. The Lakers had done what they needed to do to kind of get back into the game. Denver calls timeout. Out of the timeout, Denver immediately gets Jokic a three. He steps into it confidently, shoots it with po- with uh, with poise and it was cash. And that's what an MVP does. He didn't take a bunch of shots tonight. He dished it out, helped out out his team, set the table for everybody, and absolutely delivered. It was great. Um, Wasn't really impressed with his at-rim defense tonight. I think that uh, the Lakers really attacked that, and that's something that's going to need to be watched a little bit more. But I do think that he just continues to amaze. Was fantastic again for the most part tonight, and he didn't really need to do that much else because, well, the bench kind of did the rest. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about Will Barton here real quickly. Only five shots for Will. Twelve points, three rebounds, one assist. No major stats. It was only a plus five. It wasn't like he was doing a whole heck of a lot, but he was four of five from the field, two of two from three, two of two from the line. And didn't need to do a lot. This is the game that Will Barton is here for, where he can help Denver take advantage of other matchups. Avery Bradley was on uh, Barton for most of the night. Denver decided not to challenge that too often. They instead went with Monte Morris a little bit more. They went with Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green as kind of the, the forward playmakers trying to take advantage of their size and their athleticism and cutting and movement. And so the starting lineup was able to get by mostly because of that. Mostly because they put a lot of pressure on the Lakers starters when those minutes were happening, when when uh when but, but either, either way. Uh Will Barton could scale his game down and he did scale his game down and he guarded Avery Bradley, Malik Monk Uh, Those guys had zero impact, basically, seven combined points between the two of them. And it just goes to show that it doesn't take a lot to be a positively impactful player. And Barton was able to provide that tonight, and I I really appreciate his ability to scale down and do the things that he needed to do while still helping Denver have a 37-point win. Jeff Green uh, staggered between the bench and the starters and was fantastic in both once again. This is Denver's identity now. Denver's identity is now a nine man rotation where Jeff Green staggers between the starters and the second unit. He is fantastic and has continued to play fantastic while he is with both units. And his roles kind of, it's so crazy how it changes between both units. Where with the starters, you've got Jokic centric stuff, you're, you're trying to give him an opportunity to uh, hit Jeff Green in the corner on the baseline. Maybe he'll come up to the the top of the key and then he'll run some cuts. He'll run some plays off of screens. Nothing major. With the bench, he goes into pick and roll mode. He goes into pick and roll. I've got to switch. Let me post up a little bit. Let me draw a double team. Let me pass out of it. Get the ball moving. Uh, He's more of a focal point with that unit. And does a fantastic job at both. Uh, His malleability is how I would describe it. He was a plus 21 tonight because he spent time with both units, 26 points, season high for him on just 14 shots, was four of five from three, multiple dunks. He's fantastic. I've, I've really appreciated the, the Jeff Green experience of late, and I, I don't know how anybody else would, uh, would not appreciate it. He also guarded LeBron for a lot of the game tonight, and LeBron went nine of 23. I know that Davon Reed is going to get a lot of that credit. I know that Aaron Gordon also guarded him a little bit, but Give Jeff Green some credit, too. He was very, very solid. Aaron Gordon, uh, this was funny. Uh, he, uh, he didn't start the game very well. I thought he he was a little bit tentative, not necessarily knowing exactly where to pick his spots because I think, uh, I think that he didn't want to force it necessarily too much. But the shots that he was getting that were open and in rhythm were threes. And as we've known lately, uh, Denver, they don't necessarily want him to be Heavily on the three, but tonight, 11 points, four of nine from the field, three of five from three. Didn't necessarily finish well at the rim, but he did finish well from the three-point line. How funny is that? Also had four assists, also had three rebounds. Was a good job, uh, doing a good job guarding Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook had zero turnovers tonight. but He was still a minus 11, uh, still didn't do a whole heck of a lot, and, and was a defensive liability a lot of that was because of what Aaron Gordon was doing too. Um, also, there was the dust up where Russell Westbrook is trying to get around Aaron Gordon, bumps into him, falls down. Aaron Gordon looks down at him like, "What? What? What are you? What are you looking for?" Except he didn't say a word. He just stared at him. And Russell Westbrook gets up, looks at him, think he's talking to him. But the entire time, they, they're going not nose to nose, but face to face. The entire time, Aaron Gordon is just mean mugging, staring him down, not saying a damn thing. Because that's the kind of player he is. That's the kind of cat he is. It was very, very cool uh, to watch that. And I thought that Aaron Gordon, he proved a lot of his metal tonight. Uh, he uh, stepped up to the moment, if, if you uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, shout out Brendan Voden and DNVR. Uh, and finally, Monte Morris. Uh, not a loud game from Monte. He did go one of six from two point range. I think his floater has been a little bit off this year. Not necessarily doing a whole heck of a lot with it. But his three pointer is now the is now the key. Uh, two of two tonight from three. He was the final uh, starter to get into double figures tonight, and it's just it's just good to see with Monte that. Kind of like with Will, he wasn't a big focal point of the game plan tonight. It was more about the forwards and Jokic, and then Bones with the with the bench. But it was nice to see Monte be able to hit the shots that he needed to hit. Uh, started out the game with a couple free throws, got a couple steals in there. Just a solid performance. Nothing, nothing to write home about, but just filling in the gaps really well. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the bench. We'll talk about this, this incredible five-man unit that's starting to develop. We will be right back. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackman here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, let's talk about the bench because I think this is a a really good time as I as I am really enjoying uh, the subversion of what has been Denver's season story so far. The bench in the last two games is now freaking great, and and you like to see it, you love to see it because. And Nicole Jokic actually said this in the uh, in the post game. Uh, he said it's nice because when when the starters play bad, the bench can now pick them up, and and he, I don't think he was being tongue in cheek or, or sarcastic or anything like that. I think he genuinely means it, is that this gives Denver starters just a little bit of an opportunity that when the bench plays well, the starters don't have to have it all the time. And they were a normal good tonight. I thought that Jeff Green was was really good, but he staggered a little bit with the bench. Of course, the other starters were normal good. They weren't great. They were normal good. And Jokic was, was I mean he was he was fantastic, don't get me wrong, but like you've got 12 points from Will, eleven points from AG, ten points from Monte. Like it's nothing really to write home about, per se. Uh, but it was still fantastic with what the bench did, and here's why. Um, Jeff Green, his normal rotation. Is now to at about the six-minute mark. Michael Malone takes him out of the game, moves Aaron Gordon to power forward for a little bit, and then when Jokic comes back out, or when he goes out at about the two-minute mark, Jeff Green replaces him. He goes in at the four. Zeke Naji slides to the five, and Denver has been running with that with Faku Bones. They ran with Austin Rivers last game, Davon Reed this game, then Jeff Green and Zeke Nagy. And against a team like LA, that is a fantastic unit, and here's why. Denver has the athleticism uh, with Jeff Green and Zeke Naji in the front court to be able to switch, to be able to do a whole heck of a lot with that group, that they can make up for some of the height deficiencies that Faku and Bones' backcourts kind of uh, have against various matchups. Against the Lakers, you're not necessarily worried about dribble penetration. You're worried about um, LeBron, for one thing, his passing, his ability to uh, to kind of navigate. But Russell Westbrook doesn't really stagger with the bench. Denver was facing a lot of uh, LeBron James, Austin Reeves, Wayne Ellington, uh, Trevor Ariza, and I think it was Taylor Horton Tucker. So it's not a big lineup. I think the biggest guy in that lineup is LeBron. So Denver was able to switch a lot. They actually had Zeke Najee on Taylor Horton Tucker a lot. They had Jeff Green on Trevor Ariza. And then they had Davon Reed on LeBron. And let's start there. Because Davon Reed, he had a wonderful game. He deserves a lot of credit for this game. Plus 33 tonight in 27 minutes. And I thought the tone was set at the end of the first quarter where... He wasn't initially defending LeBron, I don't think, but he got switched onto him. And LeBron couldn't get past him the first time, so he backs it out. The crowd goes crazy. They're starting to really amp up a little bit, both sides, because the, the split was about 50-50 in Ball Arena tonight, where you had a bunch of Nuggets fans, but also a bunch of Lakers fans. It was it was not a small sum. And LeBron backs it out, and the crowd is buzzing, and you can tell everybody's amped. They want to see what happens on this possession where LeBron James, one of the greatest players of all time, going against Davon Reed, a two-way player. And Davon Reed wins the battle, does a great job of moving his hips, avoiding the contact that LeBron was trying to draw. LeBron slips, the Lakers don't get a shot off at the end of the quarter, and the crowd just goes insane, just batshit. And it was fun. It was a really fun environment. I thought that LeBron was going to come back and and really uh, try to take it to the Nuggets after after that moment. Uh, He did try, and he was pretty good individually. But the Lakers bench just couldn't get anything going as a unit against Davon Reed, Jeff Green, Zeke Nagy, Falco Campazo, and Bones Highland. And, And Davon Reed talked about this post game, He said he was really hoping for that moment, really wanting to cherish that moment of going against LeBron and living to tell the tale and, and coming out victorious after LeBron had really uh, torched Davon during his rookie year. I thought that was pretty cool. And, and I like hearing that. And I, you'll love to hear the confidence from Davon Reed, who he could have been passive. In games like this, he could have not like just avoided that entire conversation. Just kept his head down a little bit, not necessarily trying to be confrontational about it, but he wanted the smoke. It's pretty clear, uh, and he he played like it. He shot like it. Three of four from three. Uh, he had two assists, one steal, one block, four rebounds. And LeBron went at him several times, off the dribble in the post. Uh, in isolation, in in a lot of different circumstances. And Davon rose to the occasion every single time. It was really, really cool to see. So I hope that he can use this as kind of a springboard moment for his time in Denver uh, because he is slowly becoming a little bit more important every single day where Denver needs another guy to be a big wing defender or just a, a quality wing defender. He can step up and fill that void but I've buried the lead here a little bit because bones highland uh, <laughs> bones highland he of ye of uh confidence and uh trash talk and a little bit of healthy arrogance about where his skill set is at right now uh he goes for a career high tonight 27 points in 33 minutes off the bench basically played the entire last uh 18 minutes of the game or so, uh, basically due to the blowouts. And like I said, because Denver doesn't have anybody else. Uh, but he goes for 27, led the team, tied the team with Faku uh, at plus 34. 27 points, 8 of 15 from the field, 6 of 10 from three, 5 of 5 from the line, 10 rebounds for Bones Highland. Uh, two assists, two steals, only two turnovers. Um, Not necessarily playing like a point guard, not necessarily playing like a guy who's facilitating for others or anything like that, but he was out there to get buckets tonight. And he made it clear, hit a step back three over Trevor Ariza, took some deep shots, uh, really was going at the throat of the Lakers pretty much every single time. The first shot that he hit was on a kickout pass from Nikola Jokic into the corner. Russell Westbrook closing out hard on him. He gets the shot up from the corner over him, makes it, and then turns around, looks at Russell a little bit, who's kind of trying to get up off the, the seats that are over there as he as he stumbled into the seats, trying to get that shot. Really cool to see Bones playing with confidence, and I think Adam Mars is right. He was definitely right about this, that he needed to get to the homestand. He needed to be in a situation where uh, he could be a little bit more successful Um, he could be a little bit more successful on a consistent basis and not having his minutes tugged around a little bit and where Denver's being a little bit more successful where they can give him a little bit more runway. He clearly has runway now. He has the green light and it is funny to watch. It is really, really cool. And I'm glad he's taking advantage of it. Just been fantastic. Um, like I said, Jeff Green rotating in looks like one player with the first unit, looks like a completely different guy with the second unit, doing a lot of um, rolling to the rim, continues to be a threat above the rim on dunks. Uh, and his, his defense has been good with the second unit too. I think there were times in the, in the previous months where his defense would go a little bit slack, especially when he was on that second unit, not necessarily closing out to the corner well enough, not necessarily fighting on the glass well enough. Well, tonight, does what he needed to do. Like I said, 26 points on 14 shots. You will be happy with that every single time. And let's go Zeke Naji now. Uh, 3 of 11 tonight, and 2 of 7 from two-point range. Not necessarily an efficient game, but another game where he had 11 rebounds. Uh, 3 offensive, 8 defensive, really did a nice job, had a steal and a block. Really did a nice job on the defensive end, save for one possession against LeBron in the ISO, in the post. Uh, And he gets a pass for that, as everybody does. Um, But overall, it was just a very physical, very competent game from Zeke, where he moved the ball well, didn't necessarily stick it a little bit, like too terribly much, Uh, hit a three in the corner in front of the, the Lakers' bench. And it just felt really good. Felt like he knew what he was doing. And like he was a big part of the, the action. Uh, not necessarily doing a whole heck of a lot, but he got up enough shots and was in the right place enough times and contested enough shots defensively that you feel pretty good about his role on the team right now. At least I do. I think it's I think it's pretty solid. And finally, Faku Capazo. Uh, another plus massive, massive plus from him was a plus 34, uh, nine points, five assists, three rebounds, one steal. Uh, this was a great Faku game once again, and it was great in a completely different way where he didn't necessarily pick up a whole bunch of numbers, but he didn't have to, he kind of fit into the gaps of what Denver was needing at various points and hit a big three towards the end of it to like push the lead up even higher. Um, but also had some good cuts and also had some good passes as he normally does and picked off a steal that led to his uh his main two-pointer on the evening. It was a, a nice floater, floating layup over the top of two contesting defenders. Uh but his his ability to kind of fit in here and when Bones has it going, can he can kind of seed the reins a little bit, give up the control a little bit. And let Bones cook. I think that's a big deal. Like sometimes you can play with Faku as more of your traditional Chris Paul type point guard. Tonight I think he played like Monte Morris. Tonight I think he filled in the gaps, did what he needed to do. Uh, he had a couple of great contests on three point shots tonight and, and some some other two pointers. Uh, so it was, it was a good all around game for Faku. Not necessarily like a loud game, but it was a good game. And you're gonna get the credit for me if you go plus 34. like I just I'm not gonna not gonna argue with that one, nor should I. It was a good game. So really good stuff from the bench. They have started to find a rhythm. It's really nice to see after so many weeks, so many months of just being a complete liability. like now now they're major pluses in the last two games. hopefully they can take it into another matchup against the uh, Utah where Utah is going to really put a lot of pressure on that second unit, I think. So We're going to have to see what happens, but either way, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the midpoint of the season because the Nuggets just finished up 41 games, and they have 41 more. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackman here. Final segment. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really fun to tune in after a win, right? After just a massive win against your your biggest rival, I think, or at least for for Denver, it is. For the Lakers, I know that they've talked about they they're like they're like the Thanos meme, where where Scarlet Witch is the Nuggets and Scarlet Witch says you took everything from me, and Thanos says I don't even know who you are. Uh, that's kind of how the Lakers franchise is about pretty much everything. Um, but it's nice for them to be kind of on the other side of the pillow where uh, they're, they're under 500. Like, they suck. They are not a good basketball team. And, and Denver, for all of the problems that the Nuggets have had, they just put up a 37-point win against the Lakers. And sure, the Lakers didn't have AD, but the Nuggets didn't have Murray or Border. Like, that's a comparable loss. So I think they're in a really rough spot. I'm I'm very curious to see how they handle the trade deadline for sure. But uh, either way, 22-19 and through 41 games. Maybe not necessarily where Nuggets fans really hope to be, but I do think it's nice. I do think that Denver's in a really good position. Where I remember talking at the beginning of December, right before Denver went on their massive road trip that started in Miami where they got a big win if you remember Jokic came back and kicked Miami's ass and it was a lot of fun. But through like since that time Denver's been so up and down. They've they've had to weather the storm. And we've talked about this. The Nuggets have had to weather a major storm for their team. And I remember at that point before that before that podcast or during that podcast before the Miami game, I talked about how 20 and 21 or 21 and 20 would be slightly disappointing for Denver, but you're still you're still on par with where you need to get to. It's just you have to do a little bit of extra work. Denver's 22 and 19. Could they be 23 and 18, 24 and 17? Could they be those records? Yeah, they, they definitely could. They didn't have to lose a 25-point lead to the Clippers a couple nights ago. They didn't have to do that, but, but they did. And that's how the season goes. And this is part of the storm. This is part of the storm that the Nuggets have had to handle, and they've handled it mostly without Jamal Murray, without Michael Porter Jr. Those guys have missed a combined seventy-three out of eighty-two possible games. That is eighty-seven percent of the the possible games right there. That's nuts. That's crazy, and they've still weathered. Jokic has missed some time. Denver went through a really rough stretch right before Jokic was. When he came back against Miami, Denver was in a really tough place. But they've still weathered. The bench for much of the season has been downright horrible. They've been trying to figure out their identity, what they do, how do they run pick and roll? How do they play? They were figuring that out and they're they're still figuring some things out. I do think that part of Denver's – these last couple of wins have highlighted some of the good things that they can do. But it has been against two pretty awful teams. The Blazers C team was really, really bad. The Lakers, like they're they're not good. Like I think anybody watching them can readily admit that uh, they are not a good team. But still, the bench has been horrible for Denver, and Faku and Bones were each a plus thirty-four tonight. So they've still weathered the storm. I get the sense that the Clippers' loss was a real turning point in the season. I talked about this after the Blazers win, uh, what Michael Malone was saying, what he was alluding to, how Denver has really approached this, how they still talk about that game because people were still mentioning that in tonight's presser. That loss was a big deal. And I think it was a wake-up call for Denver. Not necessarily a turning point, I guess. But more of just a wake up call, like, hey, we have to change something. This is not good. And whether it's the mentality, whether it's the personnel, whether it's the playbook, they've had to change at least a little bit. They've really scaled more towards bones with the second unit. They've staggered Jeff Green and played him a lot of minutes. And am I concerned that he's going to wear down throughout the season? Sure. But they've had to do it for now, and they'll figure it out at some point. Like they're gonna they're gonna find. Another way to kind of help themselves out, but for now they've weathered the storm. Twenty-two and nineteen with what they've had to deal with is pretty good. They're still sixth in the West. If the playoffs started tomorrow, they don't, and it's a good thing that they don't because I think that Denver can still move up the pecking order. But if the playoffs started tomorrow, Denver would face the Grizzlies in a six-three matchup. Then. If they were to hypothet- hypothetically win against the Grizzlies, who that's that's definitely not a guarantee because Memphis is really good. But hypothetically, let's say they win, then you face a two-seven matchup between the Warriors and whoever and whoever comes out of the play-in between the Lakers and the Clippers. So you're most likely facing the Warriors and Denver. I think I think they're decently well geared to to handle that series now. Or at least they think they're trending in that direction, depending on how Murray comes back. But either way, the Nuggets are still fine. They're still okay, and the prospect of getting back Murray and Porter later this year is still a very positive thing. Uh, we we had a uh, Mark Kisler wrote an article after the Portland game yesterday. Um, he wrote that the Nuggets there's still some sense, there's still some possibility that they could both come back before April 1st. And I think that deadline's more geared towards Porter, because I think Murray can come back even sooner than that. I don't think that they're on the same timeline. but I do think that Murray is a lot sooner along than Porter. That's, that's just my general read on it. But if he comes back and the team is still okay, there will be a little bit of a grace period where Denver's still trying to figure things out, probably about another 5 to 10 games after that. That's going to get a little bit weird. That you're going to have to figure out some Faku Monte bones combinations off the bench in all likelihood because I don't think you can bench Gen- you can't bench Jeff Green right now. Jeff Green's playing too well. He's so good. So I, I don't know. I don't know how they handle it. Maybe they do bench Jeff Green. Maybe they just bring him in as a sixth man, and he plays a lot with the starters and the second unit still. And they go with three guards. Uh, that's that's a that's a conversation for another game to be clear. Conversation for another day. Good lord, I can't speak today. Um, but I do get the sense that Denver has reached a a flashpoint in their season where before tonight, or not tonight, uh, went after the Clippers game. At that point, Denver had played 23 games on the road and just 15 games at home, or 16. 16, excuse me. Type that wrong. 23 games on the road, 16 at home at that point. They've now played 18. So, even though that they still played 18, that's still the second fewest in the NBA. Like, Denver has not had enough home games to really bolster their record that much because they're 11 and seven at home and 11 and 12 on the road. So I do think that Denver is still in line for a little bit of regression in the positive sense where they can still potentially crack 48 wins, 50 wins, something like that. Might be tough. They're going to be putting themselves into a position where they may not need to do all that much. They might just have to maintain the current pace that they're on right now, which is a 44 win pace. But I do think that they should want to make up some ground there. I do think that the best thing for them to do is to shoot for about 47, 48 plus wins and just say, hey, we are going to see what we get. In the regular in the in the playoffs. And it doesn't necessarily matter who we play in the playoffs, it's just more about Denver. It's more about getting Murray integrated back into things. It's more about uh, if Porter comes back, seeing how he handles things. If Denver makes a trade, what's that gonna do to the rotation? Like it's there's a lot of stuff that's still left to iron out. But the great thing about this midseason is we get to step back and really appreciate that there have been some really good things. Chief among them, Nikola Jokic is still probably the MVP of the league. Like this is what happens when Denver's bench goes bonkers. Because they're always set up for success by the starting unit. Because the starters got them a lead. They, They also helped extend the lead when the bench came out and then the starters came back in. The starters still extended the lead, and they put the bench into a really good position to always succeed. And Jokic is the key reason why. Where on nights like tonight, it doesn't necessarily have to come from the scoring, but he was just delivering every single possession. It was fantastic. And being able to do that on a consistent basis, night in and night out, against really tough matchups, or really easy ones, uh, that has really helped steady the ship. For a team like Denver that has seen it rock so many times during this weathered storm. They've really had to work at it. But it's pretty clear that they're getting through it. I think we still need more time to tell if this is legit. I think uh, with four more games on this homestand, it's going to be interesting to see how Denver handles that. Uh, The remaining four home games are pretty tough. You've got Utah on Wednesday, or no, you've got, you've got Utah tomorrow, and I'll be, I'll be covering this this game too. Uh, you've got the Clippers on Wednesday, you've got the Grizzlies on Friday, and then next Sunday you've got the Detroit Pistons, uh, which is not a, a hard game, but it's a game that you have to win. But the other three, the Jazz are the four seed, the Clippers are the eight seed, the Grizzlies are the three seed. Those are tough games. Regardless of who plays, so I hope that Denver can take advantage of that time. That even if they go two and two, they've put in enough uh, work at the beginning of this homestand that they're they're okay to go two and two. Would I prefer for them to go three and one? Yeah, of course anybody would. But if they can get through that and and really put a lot of pressure on the teams ahead of them, whether it's the Grizzlies or the Jazz or Dallas. And say, hey, they're still hanging around. They could still get home court advantage. That would be fantastic. Because Denver has the staying power with how Jokic continues to play. With what happens when Denver gets healthy. And how that really affects the rotation in a positive way. That despite the fact that Denver's found success of late. You still want this rotation to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Because you start to think about it. And with the way that Jokic is playing you get just enough reinforcements and just enough help. The title chase is not over here. It might not feel like it's gone, or it might feel like it's gone. It might feel like Denver's completely out of it, that that they don't have a lot of championship equity right now, that maybe this isn't the year, and maybe you're right. But it's still something to think about, still something to shoot for. And I can promise you that the Nuggets are thinking about that. They have not lost sight on what's at the end of the tunnel. That's why they had the change of heart that they did when they lost to the Clippers. They weren't playing like a championship caliber team. And they needed to remember how. And they have. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast family. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, I will be back tomorrow. Because the Nuggets play the Jazz and because Denver has three games in four nights, second night of a back-to-back against a Jazz team that hasn't played in four days. Surely that will go well. Surely. Especially because Denver had 10 available bodies today. It's really fun. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.